Friday, late morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in to the Brass Ring Media flagship podcast for Friday, December 1st, 2023. I'm Zach Haydorn. That is Tyler Sage. We are pumped to be here as usual, and uh, we're pumped to have you with us. Zach's in the chat right now. Ryan's in the chat. Man, we got a lot to talk about. Tyler, how's it going? Good. It's a, a dog-filled day. Mine is down here by my feet. I'm sure she'll want up. You've got your little puppers there, who's not a menace at all, as you have stated. Nah, she's no. she doesn't chew anything. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah, she's 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 a bit in the the doghouse today. She chewed a lot of uh, a lot of stuff, and so much so that she needs to be uh, paid a little bit more attention to. So. Mm-hmm. That's why we have a dog in the background, and if she starts, you know, biting stuff, like, you know, whatever. The, you know, she's like a puppy, but, hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to have some control over what happens in this house, mm. Tyler. But by the by, each passing day, I realize that that's, that's not that's not a reasonable – not a reasonable, uh, reasonable ask. So, yeah. hey, it is what it is. We got a lot of wrestling we got to get to, man. It's been a – Wild week. We've talked about a ton of it already, um, but I'm excited about our, our main topic today, which is the AW Continental Classic, um, a real kind of interesting tournament, I guess. Um, I would argue dull, which I will here in a few minutes. Uh, but before we get into it, let's take care of some business here. This is the Brassery Media flagship podcast every single week at this time we are live here for free um talking the news of the week at wrestling previewing big shows taking your questions uh, and so on and so forth so um if you want to get in on that action every single week we are here live on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel it's free to do so um hit the notification button so that you know when we are live and um you don't miss a thing. Uh, you can also subscribe to us for free on Substack. We've got free written content that goes um, that goes out every single day, um, not every single day, but every single week. Um, and then once you love, once you fall in love with the Brass Ring Media brand and what we do and how we cover the wrestling business, you can become a member on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Brass Ring Media. Um, it, uh, we get, you get free podcasts every single week. You get free pay-per-view review shows and reviews of other big shows that take place. You get access to our full discord community, um, talking wrestling and, uh, not in the Twitter environment. So it is $4 and we certainly would appreciate, um, the support and we will do all we can to make sure that you guys get your money's worth, um, uh, every single, every single week, every single month. So, Brass Ring Media on Patreon, um, YouTube, and Substack if you want uh, some free teaser content, a taste of what we do. And then you can uh, convert. We'll convert you throughout uh, throughout that process. Um, the chat is open. Um, I do want to encourage everybody to get their questions in and get their discussion in. Zach's there. Sean's there. Ryan is there, um, and uh, yeah, we're set for uh, set for set for a blast today. I also mentioned that if you are not able to watch the show live, um, you can get it as a podcast uh, right after, about an hour or so after we're done um, doing the live show here. It is on all podcast feeds, um, waiting for you, so you can download it and listen to it while you're driving or working or or what have you. So there's no reason to miss us, folks. There's no there's just no reason for it. There's no reason for it. Um, okay, with the business at hand taken taken care of, and the dog back on his uh, back on her back on her chair, Tyler, the AW Continental Classic. We're about a weekend. We're like ten days into this thing now. Um, I, I, just am kind of like ho hum about the whole thing. I'm kind of just like, eh, you know. It's okay. It's not very different from the other tournaments that they've had. Um, I don't, I really, really dislike the stakes that are on the line. And I think that might be what is bothering me most about, about the, the tournament. Um, and then I'll also say too, I don't think the matches have lived up to the hype uh, collectively. Like they haven't been bad, but uh, you know, these are not like G1 level matches in terms of drama in terms of physicality in terms of 
story. You know, they're just not. And so, you know, if I'm turning on AEW Dynamite, it's fine. It's fun to watch. I think they do a decent job in show promoting like the tournament and treating it like a sport and they, they show the standings and they do all that fine. But so far this screams dull to me and we'll get into like some more specifics, but high level, um, you agree or disagree on that, on that sentiment? I'm somewhere in the middle. I think we agree on the first point of not liking the stakes of this tournament. And that's the question Zach Barber, especially I think, is most well-equipped to answer if you're not Zach Haydorn. Um, so, so the winner of this tournament gets the Ring of Honor title, the never open weight title, and this new title belt. But then going forward, that Continental title, I guess is what it's called, is defended separately. And then every year, whoever wins this tournament gets that belt, no matter what, right? Is, do I have that right? I... So the way I understand you have it partly right. Like I think that this is going to be just a collective triple crown championship that all of those titles get merged into one. Okay. Can That's how I see it. Confirm or deny. I mean, this is a huge problem. The fact huge that problem like, though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this is not well explained because it's been like on the line. Cause I did an article on our Substack on the press room media Substack of like, if it is like, are they're all on the line? To me, you have to have Eddie Kingston go to the final. And I think that hurts the booking of this totally. It's why the G1 works, because the champion does not need to win. Because, like, I don't know what you're doing with the Eddie Kingston character if you're having him come in second or third of the group if he loses his title and then it's all yeah. open and on the line. I mean, that seems likely. We'll see what happens Saturday. So, like, all that, to me, is an utter disaster of this. And it's just, like, it screams to the it being really cool for maybe – 200,000 people and it could be cool for a million people, right? If it's done well. Um, so, you know, that's a huge problem for me. I do like the matches in the presentation a little better than you. I think Tony is setting it up. Tony Khan that is setting it up. Like if you watch a G1, you know, there's 29 days or something of the G1, but typically you have, what if there's four matches typically on a, on a, on a day, there's like two that are, pretty much either joke matches like a Toriano match or an evil match. And then, you know, some kind of mid card doesn't really matter match. And the two pretty good matches follow, you know, the main events usually pretty good. So I think this is followed in its own AEW TV way of that, you know, with white and swerve being a pretty good match. Obviously there being some shenanigans there doesn't super help, but I think that has been done in a better way. And, you know, I'm trying not to be like, I had an article previous to this um, about like what I thought the ideal candidates were. We have not had time to talk about that. I think we would both agree that like that's the way we would have both done this, mm -hmm. is have the champion involved, have Samoa Joe, who's in the main event, have Kenny, have, have your top 12 guys that are not Copeland, are not Christian Cage, are not you know older guys that cannot do the mileage on them, Jericho being another one. And make this like a real tournament that means everything. And don't put the stakes on it like it is. Have it be for a title shot at all in, double or nothing, what have you, right? Yeah. So that's not happened. So I'm trying to recalibrate my thing here that, hey, this is a mid-card tournament. And it is what it is. But, like, the way it's going, you know, we've had, except for Brody King defeating Eddie Kingston, we haven't really had an upset yet. Obviously, Kingston beating Danielson on Saturday would be a big upset. One would think that's the main event. And I'll tell you a lot about the group. So I think that's got the potential to be pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. But the main problem, besides the just lack of clarity on what this what this means for whoever wins, is that this is truly a new title. Obviously, we don't need to get into that, but that's, you know, if WWE is, you know, and we're not on the same page, but like, you know, I think the consensus is WWE cannot can do no wrong. They even brought it in CM Punk, and it's been awesome so far. It's like the general consensus. AEW is the exact opposite. Like, Hey, whatever's not working, let's keep doing that. Let's add more belts. Let's make things more confusing and the less important, right? That's like the overall narrative, I would say, of the two companies. And the biggest problem is I don't want Swerve, Jay White, Danielson, who who else? Like those two guys. Moxley. Are, Moxley. I don't want any of them to have the ROH title and the Continental title and the Never Openweight title. 
Like that's the, yeah. the title I care about least in New Japan, plus a title that doesn't matter whatsoever in the Ring of Honor title, the way it's currently constructed, and a title that I certainly don't care about in a new belt. Like, yeah. So Eddie's got to win this, and I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to be pretty down on this when this happens, but I'd like some more clarity. So that's kind of where I am. Big dissertation view. You make a fair point in regards to like the, uh, you know comparisons to the G1 because you're right; those matches are not all, um, those are not all like burners. But I think like I guess what I meant was not so much like I think that at this point you kind of wanted to have a match that was like, hey, this is this is a uh, uh, a symbol of like what this tournament is going to be, you know, um, and kind of like a signature a signature match to this point that that's really, that's really what I meant, but you're right. Like the G one's not stop. Like every Toriano match is like, geez, geez, Louise, like, at least for me. Um, but like the, the belt thing really, really gets me. And I think you, like you were echoing my thoughts exactly when it's like the people who win this thing, like they're not like elevated in, in any way. They're, almost saddled with <laughs> with these championships that don't that really don't have any sort of consequence whatsoever and especially for someone like Swerve and especially for someone like Jay White and even like Danielson and John Moxley like those guys you know if, if Swerve wins this championship given the run that he's been on he wins this tournament and that's what he gets yeah, it's better than than not winning that tournament. But don't you want to see Swerve like at this point? Isn't Swerve's trajectory getting that big AEW World Title win like that's like that's the crowning moment for Swerve at this point in time? And so, I think it's like for me, it is the it is the framing of it all. Like you're framing up this as like a major tournament in your company, but it just doesn't prove out that way when you really break it down. And and so it's either going to be a mid Carter wins this tournament because it's mid card stakes on the line or a main eventer wins this tournament and it defines them down because mid card stakes are on the line. And I think either way you go, it's not, you know, it's just not, not ideal. It's not, it's not, um, you know, it, it doesn't get the mo or it doesn't like, signify what you're trying to sell the tournament as which is you know the biggest tournament of the year in, in professional wrestling um what do you what do you make of like the 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 blocks so far and the finishes that that we're seeing like you mentioned that there's no um we don't have a any, any upsets at this time uh, we don't have um, any sort of like really you know, I would argue not even like any kind of huge debate in terms of like how the finishes would go, even amongst like made talents like Swerve and Jay White. Like, you know, I, I you know I know you could go either way on that, but Swerve is like totally the right call and almost the obvious call when you think about the momentum that he has. So he's so he's gone over. Um, so right now, like in the tournament, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of finishes that are up in the air um, in terms of the blocks. So you know what what and i don't i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing all the time like sometimes like when i do watch the g1 i'm like hold on a minute yano should not be beating you know tetsuya naito like and that happens because you got to get him some points or like yujiro takahashi like beating people that happens in the tournament and i don't think it should and we haven't seen that here and so i like maintaining that integrity but it doesn't necessarily make for you know um like dramatic finishes and dramatic matches either. So where are you at on the blocks and where are you at on what we've seen so far finish wise between stars? Yeah. I would say the only upset is Brody King beating Eddie Kingston, just because Eddie Kingston is the guy who made all these stakes, you know, so he's got the most to lose in this tournament. So I thought that gave him the, you know, bumped him up as someone who like a top three person that needs to win this. Danielson being another one is being the first entrant. And someone like a Jay White, I guess, would be the third of like the stakes of this. And Swerve too, for what you said, but winning it, I think, is more of a negative for him from his long-term trajectory. So that was an upset for me. King's been on a good run though, too. He's like the mini version of Swerve, right? Of really, I mean, less of a story, but just having awesome matches and putting in work and being loved by the crowd as a heel. So 
so that works and he's in the meat division so when that gets its own title um you know he'll be he'll be a, a, a person to win there so yeah i mean the finishes you know they are what they are there's not as much of like no one's like the you know i'm glad briscoe is not the yano of the group who like kind of i mean yeah. time to tell here on that roosh kind of gets a win the way he wins it did he choke anyone out with the with the camera cord on ringside yeah I think that was uh, first. I don't think so. It, so, the, so that's like the first time he's ever done that in a match, not choke someone with a camera cord. Um, so that was a good improvement for him and his character. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been totally fine. It's just kind of everyone is slotted where you think they're going to be slotted. And it's yeah. kind of AEW main event at a pay-per-view level of kind of going the way you think it's going to go, which is fine in a, in a tournament. And, you know, you're going to get, you know, Swerve and Jay. Like, you don't know who's going to win, right? And it's interesting who wins in what capacity. When Moxley and Swerve compete, yeah. Moxley already kind of saying in the post when he's sitting on the on the benches for his interview that he's maybe the last four years are catching up to him and he's not always all there. If he loses, that makes, you know, a reason to take some time off. Maybe he comes back for Swerve and that's a story to tell. You know, that's stuff I like. And that's like the best part of the G1 is yeah. like a better version of the royal rumble for me you can set up a lot of feuds from after this point right um, right so that's all been pretty good i would say but yeah just the issues i had already but you know for good tv feeling too like you're a booker this is like a dream i'd make it even bigger you can do <laughs> so much tv uh based on this so do you think yeah. that there's that that this is like a good time for this tournament like from it's because it's from a crutch perspective i mean it's you're right i mean it's like one of those things where you could look at it and go, man, this is this is good for for AEW because you know all the shows do have a focus, you know, with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not from a storyline perspective, but it's it's inherent in the the, the 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 tournament that that's going on, and and they don't run from that. I mean, they absolutely do not run from that. Like during the shows, I mean, they start with it. They start with explaining what the tournament is. They start with explaining um, what the you know, what the standings are, how it works. Um, and, and and so like that, this is what is happening in, in AEW right now. And, and I think that's, I think that's a positive um, too. If you, you know, that's the way you should frame it. Like if you're going to treat it, if you're going to try to sell it as a tournament, that is the biggest wrestling tournament in the world. Like you, you do, you need to treat it like this. Um, the, I, I, I am okay with the blocks as well. Like I think that they're, they're there's they, they're strategic in terms of featuring talent that's available that's not doing something else like on on television. I think um, you know, unfortunately, it is just a mid card, you know, a mid card tournament at this point. Um, and I think once you square with that, like it, it, it probably makes things it probably makes things makes things better. But there's some there's some interesting matches um, to be had in, in in both blocks. So I'm 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 with you on, as far as uh, as far as that goes. And the if one thing on that on the calendar, the history of stuff like that, you know, not to always compare EW to WWE, but you know you have to in, in a lot of these sort of things. Oh, so sure. like the first Royal Rumble, what Hacksaw won it. Right. right. Yes. And, and it, was wasn't for for yeah, it wasn't for the WWE. It wasn't for, yeah. Yes, for nothing, right? It was just a win of event. So this can always change. Maybe next year it's worth more stakes of like, because like a, Tony Khan has shown some course correction early on on stuff, right? Like, I bet he thought those, the Owen Hart titles were probably going to be defended, but got a lot of pushback and then they just kind of disappeared, right? And then we didn't see them. Whoever won the tournament this year did not get a big pink and black belt. No. So. <laughs> So, you know, that's good. So there's there's sign that, like, things can change, and either this will get totally devalued or this is kind of like not everything needs to be on the schedule for AEW, but you can see kind of the workings here of, like, double or nothing is kind of the SummerSlam, right? It's a big event. It's not the biggest event of the year. Yeah. And after that, you get your big New Japan crossover show. Then you go into kind of the WrestleMania season of all in and all out. You can mm-hmm. treat that as night one and night two, which is a better way to book it, and you – Treat the fans with some intellectual honesty on that front. Yes, I think that yes. is a better way. And then you have this is like the G one. So it's kind of the reverse, right? This is this could be the AEW Royal Rumble equivalent. You just do it in reverse order, and like that's 
a pretty good schedule with a couple other shows mixed in there. Like that's kind of a WWE style schedule where I don't want every July to be a, or every October to be a hell in the cell, right? Like having four tentpole events is good. And I think that's kind of what AEW seems to be going for. And I think that's a positive move if they do that. But uh, so you can see kind of the schedule year over year and what this is, and you can make this more important next year, which I don't know if they will, but that's my idea. The other thing that I think that this could use, that the tournament could use more of, and they started to do some of it this week, um, and I thought it was really effective, is um, I, I was on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcast uh, post show this week for, mm-hmm. for AEW Dynamite, which was last to be back on. And we talked a lot about, about this. Um, but that the the Eddie Kingston interview that that aired backstage after his after he took um, his loss, mm-hmm. um, I thought I thought that was like one of the best you know promos around this tournament that we've seen yet, and it was because like he really sold what losing meant. He also sold what a potential win would meant, but he also sold like the grind of the tournament, having to go from X opponent to Y opponent and like, oh man, I lost here and now I got to face this guy and I'm not confident that I can, that I can win. And I'm, I don't want to start in an O2 hole. I, you know, if AW keeps going down that path and keeps talking to these wrestlers and even if it's 30 seconds, like you hear tidbits about, you know, how, you know, how did the match go? What's your thought in place in the tournament? And where do you, you know, where are you going to try to go after that? That did a really nice job of building up not only the tournament stakes and like the just the tournament grind, but it made you it made me want to see Kingston versus Danielson way more because you're invested now into into Eddie Kingston's kind of journey um, journey in this tournament. So I thought that was really well done this past week, and I hope I hope that resonates. Hopefully the the minute to minutes didn't show uh, <laughs> a bunch of drop off during that during that promo because I, I really thought it was an effective way to, you know, have like the, the storylines with these wrestlers mean something throughout, throughout, uh, throughout the tournament. What'd you think of that? And should they do more? Yeah. I mean, that's the best part of like integrating the G1 style, right? Yeah. Like, that's like the post media scrum. We've got a lot of iconic moments there. Obviously most of the English speaking contestants but you know we've seen good stuff too with subtitles for the japanese guys but yeah. you know i think off the top of my head of all the jay white freakouts whenever he's lost which is great um when uh zach saber jr when he found out boris johnson was elected the prime minister of of england and he freaked out if you remember that one that was very funny he had like won the match but learned that and then broke everything yeah so you know there's like fun interesting things you can do with that and it's like a you know press conference that's not the post pay-per-view scrum, which is just a different kayfabe thing. It feels a little more real yeah. and in the moment. And then like a John Moxley promo that he's done so well so many times. And obviously, yes, Kingston seems to be on the Tanahashi Okada thing here where you lose early and then you kind of go five for five to finish it out to, you know, if it's him and who else in that group? Who else would be a contender? If it's him and Claudio, Claudio in his yeah. final match. And they're both even, and then whoever wins that goes to the final. You know, that's good storytelling. So if they do that, you know, that's why we're still mid this tournament. So I know you're not proclaiming it. I mean, th- I think the overall issues we have are kind of untenable um, for this year's version of it. But you can still do some good storytelling in this yeah. and uh, and do that. So, yeah, I think that's all pretty good. Who's the, the biggest standout so far in the, the tournament, regardless of how you frame it, match quality, promo i'm curious because i've got one that stands out like pretty like and i'm not surprised but i'm kind of surprised just because it's not a name that i really think of much hmm well i think i can guess by that for you but it's still eddie for me i think it's his tournament the way he put the stakes on the line and what it means for him to lose like he has so much to lose and everyone else has like so little not little to gain but you know, from the way we're framing it, it seems like a little to gain. And it seems like Eddie in that character, like, what do you do? Like, he almost has to turn heel because he made the wrong decision there, which doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, I guess you're – well, yeah, you tell me, but I'll, I'll give a thumbs up to you if if, uh, if I guessed correctly. Okay. Mind. All right. I'll trust you. Yeah, I'll, I'll trust you. The uh, Roosh for, to me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Just the way you framed that, I was like, oh, it's Roosh for sure. 
It's Roosh. <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't, I don't, I mean, like, I never say that about Roosh very often, very often because he's not ever been like really my favorite guy. I didn't, I didn't, you know, he had good matches in Ring of Honor, but he almost, he always felt like a little bit of a fish out of water as the Ring of Honor world champion. And, but so far in this tournament, man, I mean, he, he's bringing like an intensity to his matches that are like, that I think is, is a really good thing for the tournament overall. And when he's in there, it's like, dude, you, you know, yeah, you guys are dance partners, but you be, re- you better be ready to, 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 to get intense about it because he's, he is bringing it. There is um, an aggressiveness there and an intensity there that I, that I, I now want to see what else, who else Roosh is going to face. So did not have that on the bingo card um, for, uh, for, for the week, you know, praising Roosh as much as, as much as I just did, but I think he's had a really good tournament so far and I don't think he's going to win it. I don't think he's the guy that, that, that should win it. Um, But I do think you need, you know, strong performances from like, middle of the card guys like that in the, in the field to help elevate all the matches that are, that are, that are going to take place. I mean, there's guys like that in the G one too. Like I thought, um, you know, this past year, like, Oh, what the, what the heck's his name? Um, the bullet club guy, leader of the bullet club. Uh, why is it escaping me? Oh, for the, in new Japan. Uh, yeah. Bullet club. Uh, is it, uh, Finley, David those. Finley. Okay. Oh my god, that's crazy. See, I'm out but, on my New Japan there, David. Un- well, he's fit now. I used to call him unfit Finley. So I'm glad that he is. Uh, uh, <laughs> but like Finley in the tournament this year, you know, he wasn't going to win. You know, yeah. he wasn't going to win the G1. But he had good matches early on, and it was like, all right, I want to see like more Finley G1 matches. And I think I, I feel like I'm in that place with Roosh, uh, with Roosh right now. And you know, as Ryan puts it. Roosh is legit crazy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, whatever, would, whatever it takes for him to do a job, whatever it takes for him to do a job. Yeah. Um, I would uh, compare him to Ishii e as well. Like, it's kind of that hard That's hitter that, yeah. that, like, you know, if you did 10 of these tournaments, could Roosh get to the final once? You know, I think, what, Kenny beat Ishii when he won the, the G1? I think I have that yes. right. Um, yes. So, you know, he's like that level of, like, on the right year, He's kind of that guy who is hard hitting, is a good tournament wrestler. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a good spot for Roosh. Not that I would have him in my top 12 guys, but, you know, more right. so than Briscoe. And that's nothing against Mark Briscoe, but like, that's just like, when you look at the list of guys, it's like him and Garcia seem to be the guys who get one match or zero point, you know, three points or zero points at the end of this. So it's like not a great place to be. So, yeah. All right, let's get to some uh, let's get to some comments in the uh, in the chat here. A lot of good discussion um, going going here in regards to stakes. Zach, friend of the show, appreciate you, Zach. I'm in the middle on the stakes, but I do think they could have done a good job putting over the idea of a modern triple, a modern American triple crown. I don't know, Zach. Like I, I mean, I guess I, I guess it just it depends on like what you mean by do a good job. I mean, I think. Yes, they decided that there's going to be a modern triple crown and they've sold that concept, or at least they've talked about it. They haven't explained it very well, though. Um, and I think, again, to, to a top star, the way they framed it is more of a detriment than it is like a, a, a plus. Like, look, you here, you're going to win this tournament. And now what do you have to do? You have to defend three championships all around the world. And it's like, Okay, like so, so I don't know. I, I think they've done a good job, like featuring this prize in terms of like this is what it is, but putting it over, I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not ready to 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 kind of crown them on that because just because of the fact that they're that that is it's undefined for one thing, and and it's just even if they define it, I don't know that it's good for, for AEW, like to have another, another, another title. So um, what do you think Tyler? Yeah. I mean, I might show my lack of history here. What is the classic American triple crown of wrestling? So the, I don't know that there is an American triple crown. (laughs) There's a, I think, I don't know Zach. did you mean American triple crown or did you just mean the all Japan uh, triple crown that that they had because I think that's what that's what this is modeled 
after is the yeah. is the um is the all japan pro wrestling triple crown in the mid-90s yeah i mean so that's for like 812 people i mean no offense i know zach is comparing people here <laughs> in the chat that you know i'm just not aware of so i'll just i'll be honest with you i'm not going to be that wrestling guy who acts like he knows everything but um that's not a bad thing zach either i just don't want to lie to you as an audience but um you know that doesn't mean anything to me and i'm pretty in the weeds on this stuff so you know that argument doesn't do anything for me and i think the zach your argument is you know like do i want to know like oh great so now swerve is gonna go and wrestle somebody in new japan i might check it out i might not you know the continental title doesn't mean anything to me you know, what was the international title didn't have a different name did I all Atlantic. All, Atlantic. all Atlantic. Yeah, because I was wondering what continent we're talking about here. Um, so you know, I just, I just, you know, that doesn't mean anything to me personally. So that, that's and that's and that's profound. where I'm at. So that's why I can't say like they're doing a bad job. It's just why are we doing? You know, it's a bad idea. It's a bad. It's a bad concept that I don't think can that will get. It won't. I don't think it will get over as as stakes. I mean, look, if you have this coming out of the tournament, you now have. In your company, you've got, or across the two companies that you own, you've got the world title, you've got the TNT title, you've got the international title, ROH world, ROH television title, and now this one. That's, I mean, that's. Yeah, for singles titles. For singles titles. That's just singles titles. Yeah, for men. Yeah, For men. I mean, and that's, that's, I mean, come on. I mean, that, 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 that's not. Because how many does, like, again, to compare, what's WWE have? If you count NXT, I guess, that's three shows, and they're spaced apart differently, but six as well, right? That's probably the, because you got the, both world titles, US, yeah. Intercontinental, NXT, and North American, right? Am I missing right. out? Right, right. So, you got, yeah, you got one men's world, and then a, and then a, and then a secondary, so yeah. six. Which, this could work if there was one world title on one show. Again, that not that we're advocating that either, too. There's, I certainly don't care about the North American title, the U.S. title, yeah. really, most of the time. Well, Intercontinental title, once it gets off Gunther, like, we don't want two world titles either. So it's not like a thing, like, there's too many titles everywhere. So. Well, and I would say, yeah, it, it, that's the thing, exactly. Like, it's not a bet. It's not like, oh, you know, WWE, WWE, WWE does well with their multiple titles. Like, they don't. When, when, yeah. when they integrate, like, the NXT world title or the NXT women's world title into – you know, main roster stuff like it, it doesn't go well. Like it, it, I don't think you can point to an example where it's gone, um, where it's gone well. Like it just, you know, it, it pops a rating every now and again, but like, I don't think it elevates the statue of the world title. That's for sure. Um, let's get some more, uh, some more questions here. Well, one comment that I just can't, I just can't. So we're overlooking <laughs> that Tyler's crushing moonshine from a mason yeah. jar at noon. Yeah. I've already had 16 ounces of moonshine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. He's not going to be standing much longer, folks. Not going to be yeah. happening. Uh, um, all right. I want to go to uh, Tracy's comment here. Tracy, uh, thanks so much, Tracy, for listening. And thanks for, for uh, contributing to the show. Tyler nailed it. They're trying something. You do it. You see how it goes. See what you learn. Then you tweak it for next time. That's how life works. That's a very, uh, you know, mature opinion about this and i think one that like that even i'm overlooking you know in terms of grading this out like you give it a go give it a go you see what's what um and i think you're right tracy like this this will be something that they decide i mean i think they're gonna do it again i think they want this to be a part of their their calendar so does my dog apparently um but you know it, it depends on what they want it to be like it would like right now i guess my point is like right now if you were going to be like if this was a tournament that was going to feature top matches of all your top guys like the g1 mostly does um to me that would just that would draw better i mean that you know if you were going to see mjf against danielson against moxley against page against omega you know i you know i i think that's what gets eyes on on this tournament and so my only point is like you fix that element and then and you fix the stakes. And I think you, and I really then legitimately think you parlay that with the presentation that you currently have. And I think you have something. I think you really, I think you have something. So this isn't like a necessarily like, I'm not knocking the tournament. I think it's been a fun watch if you're watching. Um, but they, you know, I think they can absolutely 
take it further um, and, and, and make it what they're trying to sell it as, which is, you know, the bet, the, the top tournament in the world. Yeah. Um, it's also the flip side of that too, which is trusting, you know, Tony Khan as well. So that's, that, that's yeah. where I'm, you know, that's the, obviously what I laid out Trace's comment there is what you would think would happen, but you know, we'll see. It's always a unknown proposition with Tony Khan. Maybe he'll double down. He loves every bit of it and we get kind of a similar build and stakes yeah. next year. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let me just, uh, I had another one flagged here. Okay, yeah, here it is. From Zach, uh, I think centering the TV on this tournament has forced everything to be more serious and straightforward, which gets two thumbs up from me. Yeah, Tyler, what is? how do you think this has impacted the show um, overall? Like, And take it from a couple different angles. Take it from the angle of, hey, uh, this is entertaining or not, and – like the business of it, like how is this going to do, you know, in terms of, or is it going to do anything in terms of growing viewership, sustaining viewership or, or, or losing viewership, but what's the impact have been of this on, on dynamite and collision and rampage to date? Yeah, I think it's been, I don't know. Positive is I probably wouldn't lean that hard, but like as a show, if I'm analyzing each show, it does feel like there's more of a, idea behind it as opposed to five or six matches plus maybe a promo or two which is kind of how the shows feel um so you know you have your big stories you know you've got an mjf segment you've got a copeland and christian segment which are your two i would say right now biggest stories going into the the pay-per-view that are outside the tournament right am i missing really any other stories but like kenny and the bucks but i don't think that's going to be registered in time it's really like the tournament and then those two stories yeah it is are the, yep. are the biggest thing so everything still got time and it gives the rest of the show some direction more so than it's had obviously the women's segments still feel shoehorned in and that like tony Khan would probably prefer not to have a women's segment most weeks is, is always what it feels like um especially when you have emmy sakura on the show which is <laughs> yeah crazy but hey Julia Hart was on the show, so you know we talked about that being important. We, we did it. We so, did. We did. Bare minimum. Did you get a Did you get a text from him this week? Uh, no, I know. did not. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Okay. I didn't get. I didn't get a Venmo thing. Oh. a piece of pizza emoji. So I, I didn't either. I didn't either. Yeah. But uh, so there's that. So yeah, I'd say overall it's positive. I mean, the rating was what like an eight forty something like that. It was like eight fifty. Yeah. So I mean, kind of a good standard number for AEW. Um. So, yeah, I don't think it's hurt the show by any stretch. And for me as a viewer, it's given it some direction. So a very tepid thumbs up, I would say, on it being good for the show. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I agree. I think it's been um, – it, it, it's focused the show. A lot of times, like, you just – you find Tony Khan from booking perspective, like, f- try to figure out where well, – where do, where do I focus things? Where, how, you know, how do I do this? Like, not, not how, but, like, this is happening and then this is happening and then that's happening. Like, it's all, you know – but these last few shows have been very you know, connected within this tournament. So that's a good thing. It makes the shows flow. Now, um, the flip, the negative side of that is, you know, your top stars aren't in it. Well, not all of them are in it. So, you know, MJF's stuff kind of gets put on the, the, the back burner, you know, because you have this tournaments going on. Um, same thing with Copeland and Christian, like that, I don't want to, you know, it's just not at the forefront of, of your storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it remains to be seen how they come out of this tournament, um, but you're not going to have the tournament forever. So you still need to be planting seeds along the way of, Hey, where are these, where are these guys going after, after this? How do we get back to a, a narrative structure when this is over? Because we can't, you, you know, you can't lean on the tournament forever. Like the benefit of the tournament is, is that there's inherent, story and winning at the tournament is what it is um so i mean if you can't if you can't hit that layup like then you've really got a problem so to that regard like i think this is good and it's a smart time to kind of reset with it too you know with everything that was so scattershot coming out of aw uh, all in and all out and then you had the the wildness at full gear there's a ton of you know there's injuries around like your main event scene now with mjf and adam cole so the timing here is working out because you can just lean right into the tournament and it's, it's kind of like minimal effort because it, 
you know, as long as you're checking the boxes, you know, you just have to just, you know, run the tournament and, and that's that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wardlow being one of the devils. Bro. Uh, oh, <laughs> Okay. That's not that's not enough seeds planted for you. Like uh No, that's yeah. too many seeds. Like that that's like I I I thought that was like one of the worst parts of the show or of the show in, in months. Like you get like cause because here's the thing. We're pivoting off our tournament discussion here, but yeah, I'm sorry. taking the bait. I'm taking the bait anyway, because it was that frustrating. Like you we're not like that angle was not set up to, to tease a reveal or to tease like this is who it is. That wasn't the point of it. It wasn't like, hey, we're gonna wet everybody's appetite with uh they're gonna they're gonna figure this out. It just happened because you weren't buttoned up on your stuff. Yeah. And be like what like someone do Warlow's hair, like Jesus Christ, like like. <laughs> Hey man, you've got hat head or hat yeah. hair, or whatever the hell it's called. Like, put a comb through it, brother, and then go out. Like, or better yet, hire don't some have huge on... indie guy and don't have yeah. him out there. Like, yeah. Christ, Just don't have Almighty. Wardlow go crush somebody. You haven't seen him in months anyway. It doesn't matter, right? Because he's there doesn't mean you have to use him. Like, you don't have you to use him for him. that. Yeah, it was so ridiculous. And so now it's like if Wardlow's not part of it, it's mm-hmm. really like, all right, like. You just roll your eyes because it. Everyone saw him out there. It, I thought that was so bad. And some an example of like just being buttoned up. That like that that AW has to get has to get better at. This is a huge angle. This is one of the biggest like long term stories that they have going. It's a mystery. It involves your top talents, and you can't jack it up with silly stuff like not running a comb through Wardlow's damn hair. <sighs> Your turn. Yeah. Uh, this is not good. I'm really, I mean, this is like, uh, the whole thing is like, to me, as an outsider looking in, it feels like they've had like three iterations of what this was going to be and who was going to be in this group. And now they've pivoted once more. Like, I definitely do not think Wardlow was part of this group on the initial conception of the idea. Obviously, the injuries come into play. Felt very much like an Adam, uh, Adam Cole kingdom thing. Then it felt like that Jungle Boy story felt like it could very much happen. And I think it was probably on the table. And now, as Zach said, the possibility of Britt being the devil um, and like having Wardlow, maybe people that MJF has screwed over in the past. And what does that mean? Like that feels like the third iteration of this before it's even transpired, which feels bad from a editing standpoint. And as you said, the execution. So I'm worried about this angle. If this even hands out whatsoever obviously mjf being hurt you know i think it's kind of what kenny had where he was working through it so like at some point here like is it even going to get off the ground like do you want to can you hold this before he gets back if he's gone for like a year do you want to do it and have that be the injury angle and then what does that mean to anybody else that they screwed over mjf and then now they're running rough shot like it was cursed beyond belief for many many reasons on many levels and if i was a talent I would probably not want to be part of this group. It feels very Nexus E, like the second Nexus. Did it have the same name? Nexus Two when like yeah, Nexus Punk 2. was in control. Yeah. yeah, Punk was in control of it for like two weeks, and then did the pipe bomb and disbanded <laughs> and then it them. Just went away. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> well, that. I would I would say that's like high end. I, I mean, this yeah, feels I mean, not like, not what happened after, but like the two weeks of that Nexus of like oh, yeah, okay, like, okay, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think this is much more headed towards like a retribution path than it is yeah. like of anything else. Yeah. Like sanity. Say, yeah, I mean, look, guys, like I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't dislike the idea of Britt Baker leading a faction, right? And I don't like, I don't dislike the idea of a Britt Baker faction being at the, um, you know, the the top of your your storytelling, you know, throughout whatever throughout the the length of the faction like no problem with that mm-hmm. how do you do a Britt baker faction that's feuding with mjf like i just like, you're not gonna have Britt baker wrestle mjf so you know if you don't have that yeah then what i mean what are we doing like that's the payoff like that's the big that's the big payoff so you have to you have to go that route and then it, if it's like 
Britt Baker's pulling the strings. I, you know, I don't, that's not great for Adam Cole. Like if she's pulling the screen strings and she wants like Adam Cole to like, I, I got him to finally see through MJF and not, he's a really awful guy. And now Adam Cole is going to go against him. Then, then Adam Cole is Britt Baker's lackey at that point. And that's mm-hmm. not, that's not very compelling either. I, you know, snake bit's a great way to put this. Um, but you add into the fact that it doesn't make much sense. Bad execution, like we saw on Wednesday with with Wardlow and the hair and just it's him. You're really you're really like going down a, a, a rough road. You're really going down a rough road. Um, yeah, Zach Rhea's running the Judgment Day, and nobody's whining about it. But Rhea is not like they're not positioning Rhea to wrestle. Randy Orton, like it's it, ha- it like this is you know the devil guy or woman, like going against MJF. That's that's at least the story that they've presented to this to this point. So it's totally not the same thing as you know a Judgment Day faction that has all sorts of different you know webs and different you know different angles. I, I really don't think that that's that's a fair that's a fair comparison. I, you know, I just, uh, I just don't. Yeah. And Damian Priest runs the judgment day. What are we all talking about here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Zach. Jeez. Um, Zach also saying, uh, here's the thing from a storytelling point of view, things have escalated from MJF being framed, MJF's friends being attacked to MJF being attacked. That's consistent. I, I don't know. Is, is it consistent? Like, I don't think that's all that consistent. Like why would the same person attack try to frame MJF and then attack MJF. How is that? I don't know how that's consistent. Yeah, like, I, I, would, I guess I don't know how that's consistent. So like the WWE versus AEW thing here is that like next week on or, or Saturday even, right? We'd get a promo for MJF because he's, he's kind of laid out his, how he thinks Joe, you know, all he thinks of Joe positive and negative. Yeah. The next promo should be that exactly like, actually give him these bullet points and MJF should make a promo based on this fact, these group of people, what they're doing, why they're doing it to him, his theory on it. And like why they need to, why the fans need to not like them for doing that because you know, he's their scumbag. Right. That just needs laid out. And I, I like, I like that story, but like, I don't have the faith that AW is going to do that. If that's why it's like more of a Bray Wyatt story of you have to connect the dots yourself, which I like in most storytelling aspects, but in wrestling, it needs laid out so we all know what kind of the so we're outside of our head cannon you yeah. get the official cannon and then like if there's some side head cannon you can do to like you know have fun that's cool but like i need some baseline a to b to c here and not fill that b and c myself yeah right and you know um tracy's saying here is <clears throat> this is this is how we bring back jamie hater decide with mjf potentially Zach saying MJF is can bring in a woman to fight Britt on his behalf. Um, I think it's a plausible, I think, and I think um, Tracy's got it. Like, there's a plausible way to bring Jamie Hayter back. Um, the thing is, it's like, I still don't think it solves the root issue, which is this is about MJF and that person specifically. Um, so, so yeah, MJF can bring in a woman to fight Britt, but then, then what? Then what's with the story at that point? Then it's over. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you need to done. convince, like, you need to then have the Cole be the crux, right? And have him choose between his best friend and his wife. But right. then that's like a sympathetic place to be. Like, that's an important yes. spot. So then, like, if he, you know, he can't super kick his wife. So if he super kicks MJF, like, you'd be like, well, I don't know. What are you going to do? I'd probably do the same. Right. Well, and then, and then you're at the exact same place, which is where, which is where you should have been all along with the story, which is Adam Cole is the devil. Yeah. That's it. From you all know? in. From all, from all, yeah, from yeah. all in, like that's just where that's that's where you land anyway, and so all this other stuff, it's like the more compelling is just A to B and not A to B to C to D to E to F to yeah. G and then you know and then back, which is what I think we're senior. Because look, I I don't I don't, I like the idea of doing a story like this. Like I think it's it, I you know give me a mystery in wrestling like all day. I like mm-hmm. I like those. I think that they. You know, especially when they're when they're done right, they can be really, you know, really beneficial to your show. But 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 if you don't do them right, man, they can fizzle out like quickly. And, and I don't know. I just worry that we're almost to that point that 
people that people don't care. Um, not to mention the key players aren't around, you know, in Britt Baker, in Adam Cole. Um, and then you're doing silly stuff like the Wardlow thing. Like, goodness gracious. Um, man, that was that was rough stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, got a few minutes left here. I want to hit a couple of news topics um, and just get your kind of do like almost like a hot take segment on on uh, on that news. So okay. first and foremost, uh, Fightful reporting that there is a clause in the CM Punk's WWE contract that he better be on good behavior, a good behavior clause. Tyler, what do you make of that? Yeah, I'd like to read the details. Does he, you know, does Triple H get to spank him if he's naughty? <laughs> um, you know, that seems like something that does not hold up contractually. You know, you can have like the uh, moral morality clause in like sports. It's probably something closer to that. Yeah, it seems like a very sensationalized I, way to report that. Someone who does yes. not like CM Punk, um, that works at WWE probably leaked that. So, uh -huh. I think yes, you have to consider the source on this one. I'm not buying it. There's not. You know, I mean, they have clauses like that, but usually they pertain to very serious, uh, serious allegations and not, oh, I don't like this creative backstage. So I am selling on that argument, not uh, not buying um, reported this week uh, that and uh, boy, this I think I'm going to get a rash of, uh, uh, of crap here in a minute. Will Ospreay uh, talked about. You know, his good relationship with Tony Khan. He talked about um, signing with AEW news breaks that it was a seven figure deal and he's going to be, you know, with AEW for, for many years. Um, is signing Will Ospreay to a seven figure deal smart business for AEW? I mean, it depends what seven, you know, I don't, nobody has like the master spreadsheet, right? Like what? So. Like Someone who? Does. Who's making more right now? Christian Cage or Will Ospreay? Probably Christian Cage, right? Oh, I don't know about that, man. I don't know. That deal was pretty big. When remember that was like a big talking point when he came in. That I think that's why I, I hope he's not making a million dollars. What's What's Adam Copeland making? I, I bet he's in the million dollar range. Yeah. What is? I mean, what are Kenny and the Bucks making with the new contracts? What's Jericho making? Right. Like all those guys I mentioned, like I'd rather pay Will Ospreay at that level of money than those guys. So that's like a curved answer. Yeah, on yeah, that. it is. You found a curved answer, my friend. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. I mean, depends what you're. I think if Chad, especially his dad, Tony's dad, like I, I really truly think that with you know with Fulham with the Jaguars, they probably have a salary cap, a budget for talent, and. I think they probably hit that pretty consistently on what they're doing. So like, I don't really care what anybody makes, honestly. That's just like my overall opinion. Like, I don't care what a billionaire spends on a millionaire. Um, so better to sign him than not have him. Right. And punk's contract frees up money. Right. So like the lateral move of that money going to other places, like I'd rather it go to one guy than, you know, when, let's say they release 10 people from NXT and WWE and after WrestleMania, like yeah. I'd rather him have one Will Ospreay than, you know, uh, Chad Gable and a Dolph Ziggler and a, you know, Cora Jade, something like that. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where I am. And I, don't know. I mean, there's stuff in the past that is not good, but there's stuff in the past. A lot of people is not good. I don't even know if you're going that angle. There's like a pretty rough patch of Will Ospreay if anyone wants to like look it up. It's not quite, uh, you know, Marty Skrull or whatever. Which it's I not good. Totally, to totally derail. Like that's an interesting conversation maybe for the the, the, the paid show. I'm like kind of shocked that in the world of wrestling that guy hasn't come back. I mean, I know he's working CMLL, but it's interesting that no one's had the uh, dirty instinct to bring someone yeah. like him back. I, I agree with not doing it, but that's just my yeah. personal thing. No, it is. Um, but I'm not even talking about that perspective. I just, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Adam Copeland, I think you can, you know, Adam Copeland, CM Punk, Jericho, 
those like those even Kenny and the Bucks and Cody at the time they were brought in, like you know those those were the 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 stars of the company, and they were the stars not because they had good matches and not because they um, you know were were like cut good promos or anything like that, but they were like the talent that people wanted to see. They you know they they were the reason why you were tuning into a show, and when you look at the signings that Tony Khan has had since then, CM Punk, like think whatever you want to say about CM Punk. And there's a lot to say he brought with him, you know, a lot of business and, and big numbers, merch numbers, pay-per-view numbers, viewership. He had that. Adam Copeland. I think you make the same, you can make the same case. It hasn't, hasn't played out this way, but I think you can make the same case of like, okay, there's a market out there of a very big audience that's not watching our product that knows Edge and that may be enticed to watch our show if he's on it on a regular basis. You know, like so there's a business reason to bring him in at what he's asking for. Will Ospreay is not like he's not going to have an impact like that on AEW business. I don't think that he's going to have a you know, he's not going to, you know, go make the company go from, uh, you know, from, from, from 800,000 viewers to a million viewers on a regular, on a regular basis or near a million viewers. Like, I think it's going to just be par for the course business as usual. Like um, the, you know, he's, is he going to sell more t-shirts because he's in AW? I don't, I don't think so. His t-shirts have been on, you know, on a, on pro wrestling tees for forever. Like, I, I just think that's a lot of money for a guy who is l- quite frankly, probably the best wrestler in the world right now. Once you get him in the ring. And I am a big proponent of his promos too. I think he's underrated as a promo guy. I know people make fun of the bruv thing, but that gets me every time. There's like a character intensity there. I love it. Um, but he doesn't have, like he just doesn't have that built in fan base to bring with them. That's not currently watching the show. And so, you know, Will Ospreay in Impact Wrestling? Okay, I think you could, like, there's an argument there. There's a lot of people who aren't watching Impact that may tune in to see him in wrestle more on, on that show. Same thing with WWE. I think, like, Ospreay in WWE, it's like, man, all right, there's a reason to tune in there. there I mean, it's it's there. Oh, yeah, you do you agree? Oh, good. That's that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, but in AEW, I just... Like, don't know that he has that kind of value because people who are all who love Will Ospreay, like you and like me and like Zach and other people in the text, they're you know, they're watching one way or the other. I, I just don't know that he has seven figure value to that to that company outside of the perception of we want to have the best wrestler in the world on our on our roster. And maybe that's worth something. I, I don't know. But I, I heard that and I'm like, God dang, like, you know, there are really good wrestlers in a lot of companies that aren't making that kind of money um, that would have more of an impact than I think Osprey will on the numbers in, uh, in AEW. Am I crazy? Yeah. I mean, crazy is a strong word. I think depending on the landscape, and I'd love like a report of like what everybody makes, obviously to give this a better, you know, feeling on this. Like, you know, when you look at pro athlete salaries, you compare and contrast, right? What you see, what LeBron James makes versus what, you know, yeah. some guy who's the twelfth guy in the bench makes right, and Osprey's a starting five on an NBA team, right? So he should make whatever that normal slot is for salary for fair, fair. Like you know, I, I was while you were talking, I was doing a little googling. I don't, I've never done it to see what people make. There's sources that claim John Moxley makes six million dollars a year on a couple different sites I saw, which seems insane to me. With like six incentives. million, yeah. So I don't know if that's true. So believe. Let's let's big old grain of salt here. Jericho, they had it three. So, you know, if you take that, it says MJF's new deal, he makes over a million. That seems more on track. Yeah. Um, Janela said he made seventy thousand when he was there. So that's a guy who was never on TV, which that feels right. Yes. So yes. like oh, six million. Wow. So if that's true, you know, is John Moxley worth six million? Probably not, but you know, it's all about like the, the, you know, what a performer is worth. Right. 
Drew Galloway, what is he worth to you? I'd rather pay Will Ospreay than Drew, personally. That's well, well it depends. It depends. Like, yeah, like what – I mean, what do you want that million to do for you? Like – Yeah. I mean, it's like, what does Jay White make? I couldn't find that, but I bet Jay White's in a similar boat. He's already been in a main event for you. It's been a little up and down on his storytelling, but that's an AEW issue, right? Like, what would you yeah. pay Swerve? His deal's got to be up in two years. I think Swerve's there right now. Like, you know, and they've kind of made him from... At a million? Good, I mean, it depends what everyone's making, right? Is Swerve a top 10 guy to you in that company? You said he, you said he should be world champion. So why? Well, he, no, yeah, but I don't think he's making a million dollars right now. No, no, I'm saying when his deal comes up, right? Oh, I, oh, and, okay, okay. And you've made him... Yeah, from that. I mean, he's obviously did a lot in NXT and came in and was tag champions, whatever. But like, he's a homegrown guy. Should what should Darby make? What should Orange Cassidy make? Right? Like, probably not a million, even when they resign. Yeah, no. I think Osprey is a guy who is a top guy for a long time. So just depending on well, what like the averages in the in the business, I'd rather sign if if he's a free agent and Drew Galloway, if he's a free agent, is is out there. You know, it is what it is, and like. Yeah, I think too, like the billionaire mindset. What's yeah. he paying Soraya, right? That's right. probably a, a right. stunt cost. And here's the thing, you know, I own my own business. So, you know, just take this from, but like Tony's writing off all, every single loss. He's not paying taxes for a decade on anything. Because AEW is a tax loss harvesting resource for that entire family. So it also doesn't matter from that standpoint as well. So talk a little bit more about that. So yeah, what I mean, just you can... Rotate through. I mean, every company does this, but you take if you're a movie theater, right, and you have a projector that you buy, and it gets devalued over time, right? You have the value you bought it for a hundred k. It's some eight k projector. It's laser focused, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That you bought, it gets it's worth less and less, like a car, right? So you drive it off the lot, you lose that percentage point. But you bought that as a business expense. Same way you buy a car is a bit right. All these things you can write off as losing value over time. Cause when you're that movie theater, when you, you can't sell that thing, you, you donate it or you trash it. Right. So you mm-hmm. bought that. And over the years you write off the $8,000 that thing is lost in value off yeah. your, so if you've made $8,000 in profit as a movie theater and you write that one thing off, you have no profit. So therefore your income tax bill is less as a result. Right. So if you well take okay. yep. all that, if you take Fulham, the Jags, the Callahan Auto Parts, I don't know what it's actually called, but they're basically the Callahan Auto Parts from Tommy Boy. It's basically how they got all their money. Yes. The brake pads. I think they made the bumper that the you can bumper, take off, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. So it's crazy. And, and it made yeah. them billions. Billions. Yeah. So billions. the bumper company is still around in Illinois, right? All that's together. If Fulham definitely makes you money, Jags definitely make you money. Yeah. You've made billions off the other thing. It's a good tax loss harvesting resource. Good, good explanation. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Tracy brings up a really good point here. I want to definitely call it out. This is a, that that's a strong argument for why he is valuable. Like paying somebody for what they will do for you later, not what they will, not what they've done. And I and and I think that that's a, a, a that's a smart take. That's a smart take, uh, and one that I you know I didn't give enough credence to. Um, so good stuff, Tracy. Because I think you're right. Like. But it all comes back to how you book the guy. Like, yes, he's the biggest, biggest star, or one of the best wrestlers in the world, if not the best. So, if you treat him that way and you build him up, you know that that does kind of, um, yeah, you 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 get the return on the investment that you're making there. So, really good point, uh, Tracy. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling that out. So I think it's I think it's key. Yeah, he does. He does need a like you laid out already just quickly. He needs a brav clause. Brav clause. Brav- yeah. It's part of the contract. Because if he if he did it only so often, I yeah. think it'd be more. You, you get 12, 12 bruvs a year. So you can <laughs> blow them all out in one promo. Sorry, bruv. That's all you get. Yeah, you can say oh, bro. Okay. Right. Not bruv, though. You Not can bruv. say isn't it as much as you want. Because <laughs> uh, that's that always makes me laugh when someone says isn't it. So. He's an underrated promo, I'm telling you. It's, uh, oh, yeah, he's there's, great. There's something real there that I think is really – really good okay we will wrap it up there we're going to go ahead and record the members only podcast so if you're listening to the show and you're not a member of brass ring media join us patreon.com backslash brass ring media uh we're going to talk 
a little WWE. We're going to talk a little more CM Punk. Maybe Tyler will tell us some uh, some wrestler stories like uh, like Ryan has been itching to hear. We'll get uh, maybe Tyler on the story time with Tyler Sage, baby, um, and much more on the on the, the member side of things. Join us. We certainly, certainly um, would appreciate that. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to everybody who watched. Thanks to everybody who participated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll catch you all next time. See you.